In the Vibhuti Pad, which is the third section of the Yoga Sutras, and uh, really the theme, the central word, that key word that we've been working with pretty much from the very start has been Sam Yam. Um, the, you can say, the combination, the amalgamation of the last three of those uh, Ashtang aspects, which is Dharan, Dhyan, and Samadhi. Uh, Patanjali kind of clubs them together almost as one because they're the subtleties of really the distinctions between them start to disappear. And for us on a practical level, that is the state where when we let go of the techniques that we're practicing, provided the practice and the technique has brought us to a certain state of inner stillness and more so it has drawn to us some perceptible experience and that perceptible experience isn't um, in terms of visions or anything but in terms of that deep stillness that deep calmness that peace that just pervades completely where we're able to go beyond the body where we're not so um, easily distracted by the senses anymore the body might still be restless he even says here even the mind might still be restless and even the breath might still be restless so he's not expecting us to have perfected that stage but we know when we're when the technique itself wants to just drop and we just want to stay in that space that's that moment of samyam but then patanjali brings it of course out of just our meditations <coughs> just that specific practice and he's now introducing it into wow so many beautiful different ways and that same theme continues in our last class we ended on this sutra samyam on the navel plexus gives knowledge of the body's constitution thus far he's talked about samyam on a particular quality on an inner tendency that brings past life awareness if you want to, to gain strength he says have samyam with the elephant and so on thinking about a great master to draw their consciousness and their attributes and so on and so forth he really gives many different ways to be tuning into and in this is the unity that narayani was speaking about both with spirit but also with the world we get to really understand what's going on also from an external perspective what's going on here and in this case he's saying what's going on with my body the body constitution what does my body really need what do i need to be eating what to, what kind of a lifestyle do i need to live what is my body asking for and this is where as we were saying perhaps the science of ayurveda comes from one sage having sat and just kind of done that samyam with his solar plexus with his uh, manipur chakra and suddenly you know this wisdom began to flow into him and he was able to create this entire science out of it in the previous one he talks about if you do it with the sun you'll you know the entire wisdom of the solar system will come to you and perhaps that's where the entire science of astrology came from so these aren't somebody charting and you know like some doctor saying oh i think you have this problem and these are sages who've just been able to attune themselves so perfectly to one aspect health another aspect astrology another aspect you know whatever it is and the very science of yoga also comes from this samyam he then goes on to say samyam on the pit of the throat brings a cessation of hunger and thirst the pit of our throat is right here this depression which is really uh, where the vishuddha chakra is located so 
really tuning in and having samyam, really feeling this chakra and feeling a unity with it, he says, brings about the cessation of hunger and thirst. Be a good experiment to try. Thodi bhook lag rahi hai, you know, just sit there and just tune in over there. Just get into a little deeper meditative state and just try to focus at that center and see what that does. I would have imagined bhook lag rahi hai, toh peet mein we can <laughs> you know, focus here. But it's like, no, focus a little higher up because that will be a lot more helpful. Then he goes on to say, Samyam on the Kurmanari, the subtle tortoise-shaped tube below the throat, results in motionlessness in the meditative posture. Now, Kurmanari is, Swami here suggests that, I, he says, I think uh, Patanjali is referring a little bit to the thyroid gland here, which is just right here, just below the Adam's apple, I guess, in men. And, uh, you know, it's a butterfly-shaped gland. But Swami says the name thyroid comes from a Greek word that means shield. And so, you know, that same round, like a tortoise shell. And so, kurma nari. Of course, uh, Patanjali is not talking about the gland, but the nari, which is the nerve channel, the energy channel, the astral, you can say, reflection, perhaps, of the thyroid gland. And the thyroid gland is an interesting thing. Narayani doesn't have a thyroid <laughs> gland, and so I don't know if we can get to exclude her from wow, this possibility or not. quite a public <laughs> announcement. <laughs> Everybody. Um, <laughs> but the thyroid gland is responsible for regulating our metabolism, our breathing, the heart rate. And so you can see, as part of motionlessness, what makes us restless when we sit to meditate? Um, part of the restlessness is that there's constant movement. The heart's still beating, the breath's still flowing, which means energy is still in your body. The stomach's still digesting. So as long as energy is still in the body, that movement is going to be continuous. I have so many different ways. There's so many ways for me to experience and experiment with this concept of Samyam. Samyam on the light at the crown of the head, which is the Sahasrara, brings the visions of masters and spiritual adepts. So this is another fun little practice. Uh, Swami Joe, though, however, does mention that often, and this is something that our guru mentioned, he said, for those whose energy is not fully awakened, it is a lot more helpful to start at the Agya Chakra. And he says, I mean, the very 
uh, term agya, which represents, you know, certain like a permission. You know, it, this space has to give you permission, allow you to move beyond. And he says sometimes when people start directly at the crown, he says it can create certain imbalances in the process if that if the energy isn't flowing through the shushumna, through that tube, which at the medulla gently bends into the spiritual eye and then from here moves upward. He but calls it like the ordinary ego, no? He says like if we try to bring the oh, yeah, ordinary ego all the way up, all the way up, which has not been yet channeled by the divine, that's the risk, no? Like it's a nice way to say it as well. It no? is a beautiful way to say it. And so, of course, Patanjali here is giving us this option for us to tune into the light right here at the top of our head. See, wherever you feel naturally inclined, those of us of disciples on this path, of course, are, uh, you know, each master comes and offers many different ways for us to tune into it. Our job, of course, is to uh, tune into it the way our guru offers it to us. And so for each of us, that's where we do focus. We're always trying to bring the awareness, the energy of the masters here. And every now and then we succeed. Mm -hmm. These insights, I love this one. This is perhaps the, the sweetest uh, sutra in this chapter. These insights come spontaneously also to one who has attained inner purity. So it's not just that one way, all right, you know, let me just meditate and let me just get these energies moving and let me get it all into my brain. It just says, well, if you focus also on just attaining inner purity, these things will all come naturally to us. And not just the previous one, not just the vision of the masters, but all these things come naturally to those who have attained inner purity. Because what is in meditation, to a certain degree, we we force, we have to push. We push against our natural tendencies. I'm sitting with the intention that if I can magnetize this center, if I can get a lot of energy moving, I'll be able to further stimulate and of course accelerate spiritual growth. But I'm also pushing against a lot of vrittis that are there, a lot of downward tendencies that exist. And so therefore, I'm not able to experience a meditative state beyond meditation. When I'm not in meditation, I'm very much myself and I'm very much, I can get agitated easily, I can get upset easily, you know, I can trigger easily. When I'm in a meditative state, I say, oh wow, you know, I, I can't believe I, I should ever get triggered. I feel so good right now that nothing should, you know, nothing can disturb this peace that I feel, except three seconds later, somebody bangs the door a little harder than you like it and gone. But one who has attained true inner purity, what does that mean? Is that, that that same, there's just a natural openness in their spine that allows the energy to just rise. So they're not fighting. Like in meditation, we have to fight, we have to hold, we have to, that's why it's so important, the firmness of our position, the firmness of our concentration, the firmness of our complete awareness. Uske bina, nothing's going to happen in meditation. But for those who are working naturally and developing also simultaneously, that's why we keep talking, coming back to the yamas and the niyamas as being so fundamental. Otherwise, always we will struggle with meditation. In the sense, we'll always meditation will always be a fight that will bring results, but 
then we won't be able to as easily experience all those things also in our daily life. So um, very important point to remember. Don't just assume that through technique and if I can just, oh, Patanjali says, yaha samyam karo, sab ho ho jayega, and that's what I'm going to do. And I will let every other thing, you know, the softness of my heart, the natural compassion, kindness, the purity of intent, those things cannot be overlooked. Samyam on the heart brings an understanding of one's vrittis or inner tendencies. Uh, this is also something, you know, especially at the end of your meditation, we've been holding the energy here. Sometimes it's nice after in that moment and then shift your energy here and just have that same thing that you're doing, that state, just holding that state of complete focus and inner stillness, but then just shifting the awareness to this point. And it says, it'll help you understand your vrittis and your inner tendencies. Now the heart is the center of chitta, yoga's chitta vritti nirod. This is, you know, this is the, where perhaps we have the most vrittis. This is the most tumultuous of all our chakras, potentially. Um, so this is a beautiful place to have again, just get a sense of what am I dealing with? What am I working with? What is it, you know, what's, what's this day going to bring for me? What is, an, what is this tendency that I can kind of really allow to finally neutralize, to calm? And Swami then says you can do that with other people as well. Remember he had said that you can't find people's hidden motives and oh, that's going to be in a different sutra. And he says, this is that sutra, that 35th. If you focus on other people's heart, you will also be able to understand them more deeply, better, be able to draw and tune into slightly more of their inner selves, what they're bringing also from the past, all the energy that they have brought till this point. And it will allow us really to have such an empathetic relationship with people. Because often we, you know, we judge a person for... You said this to me, you did this to me, you know, this is how you acted in this moment. But we don't, we don't know the force of the past that has brought them there. We don't know what vrittis, I mean, we're all working with our vrittis, we're all dealing with really just past habit, past karma, past tendencies. And we're very much driven by that. And, but we judging people every time in the moment and said, you did this and you did that. But if we could really see where, where did that energy come from, it would be so much easier for us to say, oh, of course, because this is how, this is the pathway you've created thus far. You've worked so hard at it. It's only natural for you to be in this space. It allows that relaxation. A beautiful way for us to work with relationships. I mean, nice practice perhaps between friends, between spouses, between whatever. Guru bhais, let's take a moment and see if we can meditate on each other's heart. The sattvic intellect and the soul are completely different, all right? Samyam on the distinction between them gives soul understanding. Now, we know from the gunas that sattva, although the highest of the gunas, is still, uh, I mean, it's still based in this world, it's still delusionary in this, you know, as close to the veil, but not across the veil, and so, Sometimes we think um, we might confuse sattvic, very high, very refined, very pure intellectual expressions as the soul speaking through. But um, 
Patanjali wants us to even be able to understand that there is a distinction between these two and to really get the soul's power to shine through even we have to go beyond your own sattvic tendencies that when you understand and practice samyam on the distinction between the two that will give you true soul understanding and then he further says from this understanding arises supra physical perception which is subtle hearing touch seeing tasting and smelling so no matter how pure and how sattvic our approach is behind it still the soul's power is not fully shining through and he says the soul's power will shine through completely when you're able to have supra physical perception and swami here says he calls it in certain cases an astral perception where you're able to tune into the astral realities behind not supra physical as in oh i can hear you know 10 miles away oh so now i have this supra you know hearing power uh, i don't know if you remember in the autobiography of a yogi when shri yukteswar touches yogananda ji at the heart and sends him into what he calls an experience in cosmic consciousness immediately he's you know he goes into this phase where all walls become transparent and he can see 360 degrees all around he can see inside people he can see the sap of the tree moving up and down you know he essentially gets to experience the the astral energy behind it all everything that's uniting everybody the same prana that flows through and through the farthest reality is feels to him just as close that's when boom that's that soul reality coming through but then patanjali comes goes a step further and he says these supra physical powers or siddhis are obstacles to the attainment of samadhi for they take the mind outward you know we're just thinking like oh wow this is i'm going to start really doing this but then immediately he's saying ye mat karo main aapko bata raha hu ye kar sakte ho but ye mat karo you know don't focus on this and of course a lot of our interest in the spiritual path often was initially at least awakened by a lot of this stuff like oh wow this guy can do this and the saint with two bodies and you know lahri masha levitating and baba ji just holding his uh, physical form for as long um a friend of ours who's uh, an actress and you know the first time when she heard baba ji <laughs> Babaji is 25 year old for the last several thousand years he's like I want that that's what I want you know that's why I'm going to be on the spiritual path forever youth I want yeah I want eternal youth and so you know you can see the exciting opportunities it might present for different people but these are the true distractions on the spiritual path and these are really also the distractions on the physic on on the world what we really want of the world is also that we want to gain absolute mastery over the world i want to gain mastery over people i want people to really like me i want to gain mastery over my business i want to gain mastery over success i mean that's our whole intention we think if we can just get it all and more that's what we really really is going to fulfill us and so a nice caution in there for all of us 
the supra-physical powers or siddhis are obstacles to the attainment of samadhi for they take the mind outward. That's his key element here. Even in that experience that Yoganandaji had, of course, in his case, you know, it was his guru's grace that gave him that experience and also then resolved that experience back into him. And then the moment that experience is over, what does his guru do? Hands him a broom and says, Chalo, chadu maarte. All right, you see what the potential is for your soul? Now let's sweep. Immediately, not letting him say, Oh, wow, that was amazing, Guruji. Oh, I, please, again, again, fir se karte, fir se karte. <laughs> you know, no, let's come back. Now let's sweep. And that's the, that's the mark of a saint. You know, Master often would say, The greatest miracle of a self-realized master is that having the entire power of the universe and not using it. You know, imagine that, because for us, having power, the whole point of having power is to use it. So just to be, for us to be mindful of these things, as exciting as certain of these elements on the spiritual path can be, they are, in truth, distractions for the sincere sadhak. By loosening karmic bondage to the body and by mental identification with a new one, one can enter into the body of another. Mm. <laughs> These are things that hopefully we don't need to find like, all right, let me try and see if I can enter into other. But this is again naturally a, a thing that all self-realized masters are able to do. They're as present in somebody else's body as in their own. Because, of course, they have fulfilled the first thing completely. Here, Patanjali is saying, by loosening the karmic bondage to your body. So, we have to have a little less attachment to our physical body. It's not, it's not going to be like, if I just do Samyama Narayani's body, immediately my soul will, or my identification will transfer over. I need to have at least some of a loosened relationship with this body first. So, you see, there's work to be done before you can achieve this for the great masters there's no karmic relationship with the body so for them every body is a possible vessel is a possible space for them to inhabit if they ever feel the need here swamiji reminds us of, of, of master saying at night i enter into the body of every disciple i really enter it's not like i'm just mentally scanning through them he says, I enter into the bodies of each disciple. And then he says, it can be a terrible experience if the person is suffering in delusion because they, they enter into this body and it's like, oh, Because So imagine poor, poor guys. I mean, they have to really work hard. You know, it's like, oh, no, not tonight. I don't want to go into those people's bodies. But chalo, let's go and see. And Swami tells a fun story over here, just to kind of give, you know, a little context to all these things of a, of a, a saint. Apparently, a young man had lost his life, had passed away, and so, you know, his family was taking his body off to be cremated. And talks of a, a, a yogi who jumps out of the jungles nearby, and he says, you know, stop! I need that body. And immediately, that this old yogi. His body suddenly collapses onto the floor and the young man suddenly gets up from, from this and jumps out and runs back to the forest. So you see these yogis is like, all right, this body is about to 
be you know useless very soon so let me go look for a youthful body that i can inhabit so there are many ways you can use this particular siddhi by mastery of uran the current within the deep spine which raises kundalini through the shushumna to the brain one gains the power of levitation and of leaving his body at will the very term uran is interesting because it means flight you know and it's one of the uh, pranas pran uran um and so if we tune into that particular current upward current in the spine then that's what happens and a lot of saints spontaneously levitate when they go into these deep states when they feel that energy rising in fact there's a lot of christian saints also who have had similar experiences saint teresa of avila mm-hmm. saint joseph mm-hmm. of cupertino a fun story where be his brothers his fellow monks would tie a rope to him because sometimes he would pray and he, as he would pray he'd start levitating and he'd be at the ceiling of the church and so they'd kind of have him make sure that bah nikalte nikalte kahan you know and sometimes they'd say it be hours before and he he didn't know how to come down he would be in such an ecstatic state he'd be up there and then he'd be like what am i doing up here and he'd just have to wait it out till this till the inner energy kind of relaxed back and subsided before he came back down so it is fun they would say that they had to move saint joseph of cupertino often from monastery to monastery because too many people would come to see you know this thing and in especially in christian tradition there's this idea that you know humility means that you know you can't draw any attention to yourself so as monastics over there is like they don't want any special attention to go to one person you know so the, they would have to keep moving him from monastery to monastery village to village and keep him a secret so nobody knew that this is what happens to him and, and the interesting thing about it is that these saints didn't have any technique hmm. it's not like they levitated because they were practicing their kriyas or any particular technique it was just through devotion just just by praying their heart was so involved in the process was so deep so magnetic that that devotion lift them up to god without any technique just through the power of the heart and that's something when i read some of their lives always struck me saints didn't have those saints didn't have techniques they just discovered in themselves like when you love god with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul that lifts you up also physically so that's that's an interesting thing since you are talking about prayers and devotion and cities yeah i mean and and the way of praying in that particular way is a city that you develop the natural feelings of the heart what Sri Yudeshwar spoke in his book, The Holy Science, you cannot take a single step on the path until you have developed the natural feeling of the heart. And in this particular case, the devotion has the power to take you to God. There's that other story of uh, the three saints of, I think Tolstoy had wrote, written that story mm-hmm. of these Russian 
hermits, the three hermits, and uh, you know they lived on a desert on a very small island somewhere. And uh, people, they, people had heard that miracles occur around them, and so they became a little bit of a thing that people would go to them. So the local bishop of the area heard that. Oh no! So he travelled by boat to this island, and his whole job was as the bishop to tell them the true way to pray and the true way to commune is only through Christ and you know, the, the church ideology. And so he comes there and these three hermits, very humble, and they you know, invite him in and he says, well, you see, what, how, how have you been uh, experiencing and going through these miracles? And so they say, well, you know, we don't do much. We have a very simple prayer and our prayer is, we are three, you are three, have mercy on us. And that's our prayer. And every time we do that, something happens, something magical happens. And so the bishop's like, no, 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 you got it all wrong. You know, this is, this is how we are supposed to pray. This is the authorized prayer. And you know, so on and so forth. And he teaches them the very you know, beautiful prayer, really. You know, Heavenly Father, Thou art in heaven. It's a beautiful prayer, of course. And then he's like, all right, my job's done. And he's now leaving and he's on his boat and he's well, you know, several kilometers away from the island. And suddenly he sees this light kind of moving towards the boat. And when he sees closely, when they get closer, it's these three guys and they're holding hands and they're walking and running on water. <laughs> and they're running towards him and he's like, Bishop, I'm so sorry, we forgot those last two lines. Can you just <laughs> tell us those lines again? And the, and the bishop's like, I, I don't think you need this prayer. You you carry on with your prayer. You, you, you are doing something right. So as Narayani said and as Patanjali says, yeah, all this can be achieved by the purity of the heart. Yeah. When you get to that state, then all this comes and it comes in a way where now it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter, you know, for us, those of us who get a little too technical, we're like, oh, Yehua, where am I? Which stage have I achieved? And, you know, when am I going to levitate? Mm -hmm. To those saints, it doesn't matter at all. Mastery over the Samman, which is the balancing energy, another one of those pranas, in the body gives off a bright radiance. And Swamiji here says this is where, you know, your aura, the astral energy, the magnetism, the magnetic field around you actually begins to be perceptible and people are able to see a very kind of gentle glow all around you and it comes out especially through the eyes but sometimes you'd even see it in the body and he says even if it's not visible it is very magnetic and very attractive and so there are some people again that you just feel more drawn to and when we especially think of these saints, I mean, and some of these saints, Narayani was talking about Anandamuima that day and mm. just saying, you know, her beauty was also so just attractive that you could easily see that. But some of these saints were, were not attractive at all. You know, some of them are just very, very ordinary looking. You, you'd never, ever think of them as these great, great, amazing souls. But when you're in their presence, you can't, you're mesmerized, you're just held. You know, and that, that light, that radiance, that magnetism is a part of, uh, again, on that spiritual journey, we, we all start to develop it. You see, we're all somewhat, especially when we do our pranayams, especially when we focus on the pauses between the breath, a lot of this is naturally happening. We're building these things. We're, we just don't focus it on it the, the way Patanjali is saying, Oh, see, ho ye hoega. 
you know, which is nice that we were just let, willing to let it go and we're not making a transactional reality out of it. Oh, I want to do this so that I can get this particular gain out of it. Samyam on the ear's ability to hear and the akash, which is ether, the fifth element, gives one the ability to hear super normally. I'm sure this comes in handy when you need to listen to good conversations far away. But what strikes me as interesting in every of these things, it's not like, oh, now, okay, let me... Is that Patanjali is really saying? Because you remember what he said, what is the point of samyam? He says, samyam, perfecting of samyam gives intuitive abilities. That suddenly it awakens your intuition. And he's saying it can awaken it in all forms. The intuitive ability to perceive in and hear is another one of these abilities. But we can do it with anything. And that's the beauty here. I mean, he's giving us specific examples, but do it in anything. You want to do it with the ear? That's what's going to happen. If you do it with your eyes, your vision will probably, you know, imagine somebody who wears specs. It's all right, I want to heal my eyesight. I want to be able to really see more beautifully, more clearly. That would be a lovely practice to do, wouldn't it? Just have that at the end after your meditation, when you're in that perfect state of, of as close to a united, absorbed state, just start focusing on the eyes a little bit. See what happens. See if that changes. It'll be lovely for us to kind of relax and tone it down. It isn't about, oh, can I hear, you know, supranormally? <laughs> oh, can I just work on, oh, these are the little things that I feel that my body, oh, I have bad knees. All right, let me have do samyam with my knees. Let me see what that does. And really begin to tune into these things. Of course, not at the expense of first spending your time here. First, achieving samyam, not that, oh, let me just fix everything, let me fix my body, so on and so forth. But as, I don't know, as, as a confirmation almost, as we can say, yeah, this is real, this is real stuff. This is how the universe truly works. If you get to the heart and connect with the heart of anything, you're in it. And from there, you can change and evolve whatever that reality is into something higher. Samyam on the relationship between the physical body and ether gives the body the lightness of cotton and makes it possible to travel astrally. Uh, I don't know why there's a certain fascination of people with astral travel. A lot of people that I've met in my 15 odd years ask this question. Do you travel astrally? <laughs> have, you, have you gone here, there and you know, can you... <coughs> Astral project is another word that they love to use. And you can just see, it's like these, you know, I have a feeling while Patanjali is writing there, you know, he's like chuckling at all these things. It's like, you know, let, let's, see who, let's see who gets fooled by all these things and gets so excited by, because on one hand, he's, Patanjali is like a no-nonsense, get to God, forget everything else kind of a person. On the other hand, he's like, he's throwing little bait at us like, and getting us, you know, excited about the spiritual path, but in a, as he rightly says, in a very outward way. And it's an interesting, it's an interesting study for us to see while, you know, here he is, this self-realized master, both giving us 
like this is real what i'm saying to you dekho try karo but at the same time also seeing what will the person take from what i'm giving them will they take you know the meat of what i want them to experience or will they take the scraps of what remains and so while i highly recommend everybody to try and experiment with all these uh, options that you know it's like a menu oh what should i have today <laughs> let me astral travel today let me have supra the natural hearing today or whatever it is you know i have that experience for sure but be mindful by samyam on the vrittis that are external to the body bodiliness is attained and the veil over the light of the self is removed by samyam on the gross and subtle elements of the body and on their essence and correlated purposes one can master those elements so now he's just giving us option after option after option one can master the elements the earth fire water wind you know kya uh, hai prithvi agni jal akash from this realization comes power over the animating principle and other siddhis bodily perfection and non obstruction to the body's functions which is the eradication of illness and disease facing as you start going into these siddhis as you start focusing on them not only do these siddhis come but also bodily perfection and we're able to eradicate all disease now these are wonderful things aren't they but at the same time when we see the examples of the lives of the saints we don't see them eradicating disease from them from their lives we don't see them using their powers to overcome troubles and problems and difficulties that they experience and uh, while at times it might be a wonderful you know wonderful way for us to direct our energy like okay if i am you know really interested in in having a body as master said that is fit for self realization that isn't going through too much trouble that allows me to be able to stay true to my practices and hold true to that okay let me practice these things it's doesn't help me to have headaches every day so let me focus on how i can work on eradicating that but at the same time again always just a little bit of a little bit of saying there's also purpose in behind this in fact i have always found any sickness and disease and illness to be fairly purposeful mm. am i i'm f- at the end of my thing am i aren't i not any i think you should continue no why i don't know it's nice <laughs> <laughs> I mean if you want to you want us to finish this chapter it's up to you oh should we just run through it quickly okay but i don't want to there's okay. only 20 I minutes left i think this is more important left. yeah let's go through this okay very quickly patanjali lists the eight siddhis in just in case we're interested these eight siddhis are anima which is the power to become very small mahima the power to become very large laghima which is very light garima which is very heavy <laughs> prapti which is the power to reach anywhere even to the moon and to pass unobstructed through anything prakamya prakamya the power to have any wish fulfilled and uh 
isatva, isatva, the power to create, and vasitva, the power to control everything. So that's how he gives it to us. Then he says, beauty, grace, strength, and adamantine muscles constitute bodily perfection. He just said, one of the things as you perfect these siddhis, you will receive bodily perfection as well. And he thinks that it's important for us to know what is bodily perfection. Beauty, grace, strength, and adamantine muscles constitute bodily perfection. Adamantine is unbreakable muscles. That's a very strong. So the one person we know who has that all is Bhavaji, isn't it? Beauty, he's just, isn't he just so beautiful? Grace, I mean, you can just visualize him when he moves and how Master describes him in the autobiography. And he's also muscular, <laughs> you know, you see he's got his six abs. pack of abs and he's got, you know, he's just a beautiful, like just everything about him is just perfect, bodily perfection. Samyam on the power of sense perception, on its essential nature and on its correlation to egoic awareness, brings control over the senses. Again, you can take and work with any sense perception and start really connecting with it, tuning into it, feeling how the ego uses that sense perception. And little by little, suddenly you have complete control over it. Just switch off your hearing whenever you want. Wouldn't that be a lovely thing in meditation? No more earplugs and <laughs> all right, off, 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 whatever, every sense I need. Let me just turn it off. From that samyam, the body gains the power to move as quickly as thought. One gains the ability to function sensorily without recourse to the senses. It means you don't have to actually use your senses anymore. And you can still tune in through all the senses. And it also gives complete mastery over primordial nature, over all prakriti. By recognition of the distinction between sattva and the self, very similar to what he's already said, the sattvic intellect and the soul, one attains supremacy over all states of consciousness and thereby becomes both omnipotent and omniscient. I'm just more running through them because there's not much we can keep saying about each of them. It's just uh, a lot of it's at a space where we're yet to even get to attempting it. But some of it is a little bit more real to us and a little bit more attainable. By non-attachment, even to the Siddhis, the seed of bondage is destroyed and supreme freedom is attained. So, you know, this is, this is one that we should be focusing a little bit more on. But we should also try to attain some of these things because, again, it's helpful for us to see how our own energies can be used and how we can achieve perfection. There's nothing wrong with that as well. If we can simultaneously always balance it out with that non-attachment, that's the harder part, isn't it? When we start to gain anything, we, we start to identify with it. We start to really become attached even to that. The yogi should neither accept nor preen himself over praise or admiration of even celestial beings as there is a danger of falling back into what is an undesirable ego consciousness. So no matter how great you become, how perfect you become, here he, uh, Swamiji, in a, when he was talking about the Siddhis, tell the story, tells the story of Baba Goraknath. He's a very, very, you know, he, the founder of the Nath tradition, really. 
um, I think up in the Assam region is where he's originally from. <clears throat> and, um, you know, Baba Goraknath said to have lived for 300 odd years and have achieved perfection of all these siddhis. And when he was feeling the time for, you know, the time to let his body go was coming, he felt like, you know, I've put so much tapasya, I've put out so much energy, I've developed these great powers. Let me give them to somebody who's worthy. Let me not just let them go. And so he manifests eight mud balls and you know infuses each of them with one of the siddhis and he's carrying them and in his mind's eye he scans and he sees there's this young yogi you know that is worthy who has the energy who could handle these siddhis and who deserves these siddhis so he tunes into this young yogi manifests in himself right in front of that young yogi who's sitting by a river and you know he says i am baba goraknath you know, everybody knows of him so he obviously <laughs> he's very like uh, sure that this young man would immediately be struck in awe and you know <laughs> fall at his feet imagine somebody just materializing in front of you no matter who they are you'd be like but you know i'm baba goraknath and i have realized and i see that i'm about to leave my body and i i feel that you are you know deserving of these powers that I have created and I have worked on over these 300 years. So he's got these eight mud balls in his hand and you know he's handing it over to this young yogi and this young yogi looks at this, the mud balls, looks up at Baba Gorakna, he says, these are mine now? Baba says, of course, these are yours, I have given them to you. He says, I can do whatever I want with them? Like, well, yeah, they're yours, now you do whatever you want with them. And he takes them and he throws them into the river. And Baba Goraknath said, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I can't, I can't believe you've just thrown them. And the young yogi says to Baba Goraknath, still in delusion, Goraknath? <laughs> <laughs> and in that moment, it is said, Goraknath realized his mistake. And in that very moment, attained complete freedom. So, you know, it's, it's possible. These, we can go through the Siddhi route or we can go without the Siddhi route like that young man. You know, he, he developed no Siddhis. Goraknath saw him and saw he doesn't have anything, but he's deserving of it. Let me give it to him. But that young man was whoever he was, perhaps Babaji. And, you know, he, <laughs> and uh, that's that. Still in delusion, aren't we? No matter how high we go. So there's always the possibility of falling. And that's why Patanjali talks about that higher state of samsa, you know, nirvikalpa samadhi. That's where we want to get. And our guru always said, until you're in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, you're still not safe. You can still fall back. Samyam on single sequential moments gives discrimination. Tuning into each moment individually gives discrimination. And then he says, thus, apparently indistinguishable differences between objects that are of the same species that show the same characteristics and that live in the same locality become distinguishable from one another. And Swamiji here says, Master talked about how every atom in creation is unique and individual. And he says, eventually that's the kind of discrimination you'll be able to get. Every atom that makes, you know, this um, bookmark, every atom in this is individual and unique. It seems like it's a bookmark and all of them are doing the same thing to create this one bookmark. But 
if you achieve that kind of discrimination where you can take each, that's why I say each sequential moment, we're just seeing all these moments as just one fluid flow and I can't tell moment from the other. He says if you can just focus and meditate and get into the samyam of each sequential moment, little by little, things that seem the same, you'll be able to see and identify them all as particular and distinguishable and individually unique. And perhaps you can give me a minute after. Yeah, I no, no, was waiting that, to, please. where are we? You still have one to go on. Oh, two. Yes. Discriminative insight is that which simultaneously comprehends everything in every situation. It is pure intuition, which leads to liberation. So now he's kind of defining what that discrimination is. It's not so much, can I identify every atom? <laughs> and say, Discriminative insight is that which simultaneously comprehends everything in every situation. Immediately, simultaneously, you know everything about everything about everything. <laughs> and he says, and that is pure intuition. And this is what leads to liberation. And the last of this uh, pad is when the tranquil mind attains purity equal to that of the self, one attains absoluteness. When the tranquil mind attains purity equal to that of the self, that is when one attains absoluteness. And so eventually, at the end of all of this, he's just saying, we're still just working with stilling, completely tranquil, yoga, chitta, vritti, nirodha. That's still our goal, neutralizing, calming, completely relaxing, tranquilizing every restless, every energetic entanglement that we've created. And when that's done, then you achieve absoluteness. And that's the next pad, kevalya pad which is Pada on absoluteness. I was thinking Forgive about... Forgive me first No, no, for please. Having... I mean, this is very, very important, actually. <clears throat> I really enjoyed, especially the last story. I was thinking for this coming week, Swamiji here gives a specific technique. He said that for a period of try, or a period of time, <clears throat> he, in his meditation, he visualized... Yogananda, his guru, seated here on his crown chakra, and he felt that that meditating, visualizing master here helped him to achieve inspiring thoughts in meditation, basically working with Swami Kriyananda's mind. And I was thinking, since we have been talking about devotion and heart's feelings, Maybe this is something we want to practice for and until Guru Purnima. Mm. Perhaps we want to visualize in every meditation until Guru Purnima the image of the Guru, your own Guru, Yogananda, Babaji, at your heart. And don't start any practice, any technique until you feel, you see, you perceive Yogananda seated at your heart. 
and allow him to meditate with you, for you, through you. Allow him to do Hong So with you, pray with him, enjoy that period of stillness with him. Ask him to give you a touch of his consciousness and especially to neutralize the feelings of the heart. Work with your heart's feelings for the coming days. And then when the Guru Purnima day comes, you know, you are already in perfect alignment with him. Work, I, I would say, let's all work as much as we can with the heart for the next, next three, four, five days. Just like visualize the Guru seated at your heart. And even while you end your meditation, you know, bow to him at your heart. And maybe you even want to leave him there throughout the day as well and start interacting from your heart to other people's hearts. And it won't be just your heart's feelings, it will be your guru's feeling interacting with others' gurus' feelings as well. I think it could be a wonderful practice this week uh, towards Guru Purnima to visualize the image of your guru at the heart chakra and work especially with the devotion, the love, and just the openness to receive the blessings, especially on Guru Purnima. Want to do a minute of that? Or? Yes, let's take a minute to start experimenting with our own energy, with our own posture. When we consciously invite the Guru to be seated at the heart center of our being. And ask him to guide you for the next few days, to infuse you with greater insights, deeper love for the divine, for the path you are following, for the blessings that you are receiving daily, and for the constant support that the Guru brings into our lives. See if you feel even your body temperature also changing while he is there. What it does to your mind, to your energy. And then keep him there for as long as you can for the days ahead. Oh. 
Thank you, Narayan. <clears throat> Thank you all. And we'll see you. We won't see you next Thursday. Mm -hmm. We are, in fact, going to be in Varanasi during those days, uh, visiting Lahiri Masha's house, which is open just once a year at Guru Purnima. So we'll be praying for all of you. Pray for mm -hmm. us. And uh, we are a lovely way for us to bring back his blessings here. We'll see you the following Thursday, at least for Patanjali. Jai Guru. <laughs>